The interlude is intended for mature audiences only, and definitely contains explicit content. Which, let's face it, is why you're here. And she leans in over the produce, picks up a giant eggplant, and just kind of looks at it with horror and just says, Things grew. <laughs> just puts it down and walks away. Hey, this is Grace. And this is Kit. And welcome to The, the Interlude. Interlude, the sexiest game of chicken on the internet. Well, hello there, Kit. Hello, Grace. This is a monumental episode. It is. It's lucky number 13. The tried and true number of all Triskaidekaphobes. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say it's lucky 13, but it's also the last episode of season one of the interlude. That's right. We're so official. We're doing seasons. Yes, we are. Mostly we we, we also have a life. <laughs> We have a lot of stuff going on. Um, so we're going to take a summer break, but we are definitely going to end things with a bang. And we're kind of going to go back in time to what really started all of this. But before we do that, in honor of our last episode, uh, why don't you tell us about our drink? Absolutely. This is a chartreuse swizzle. For those not in the know, chartreuse is an herbal liqueur. Uh, brewed, as the story goes, by monks in France, only a few of whom know at any one time pieces of the recipe, so they all have to convene and put the right ingredients in and mix them up in just the right way, and it's all very hush-hush. Mm, that's uh, very, that's some name of the rose shit right there. Exactly. Now, given how many bottles of chartreuse I've seen for sale everywhere, I can't imagine this is the case any longer, but it's a nice piece of lore. But this is green chartreuse, which, as we'll find out, is very important to tonight's theme. It is pineapple juice and some lime juice and a little bit of falernum, which is a very uh, Christmas spice-like liqueur. It is. And I mean, really, the reason... Oh, there's some nutmeg, too. Oh, yes. You've topped it with yes. nutmeg. But you uh, you forgot the most important green accessory. I forgot the, the mint. mint. The mint. And the theme is green because we are going to be talking about... A very storied and important tome for the interlude podcast. That's right. We are going to be covering kissing the coronavirus. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. So if you recall in earlier episodes, this was kind of the, uh, just the inspiration for the podcast. Um, Kit, I'll let you tell the story of uh, how we found this beautiful piece of work. Absolutely. So as much as Flowers in the Attic was how we got started reading terrible erotica to each other and taking delight and making each other flinch, kissing the coronavirus for whatever reason, I don't know how she found it, but one of our friends in our bad erotica reading group that formed out of Flowers in the Attic uh, found this and said, hey, we have to read this. And so one of the evenings, I just went all in. We downloaded a copy, and it was 
magical. The squirming and the laughters of terror and delight from the rest of you just fueled my need to finish this and and see it through to the end. And it became like a minor phenomenon after that. It uh, did. It did. I actually took that recording of, of you reading the coronavirus and I uploaded it to a bad Jade's badly written erotica Facebook group. And it was a hit and people were like, you need to read more of this. And so thus the interlude was born. So we're going to take our very last episode of season of the season one, our inaugural season. And we're going to talk about this book because it's, well, book is stretching. It's a 16 page novelette, really. Uh, I, I think a short story might be <laughs> a little more uh, the proper term. Yes. Yeah, so we we thought we would revisit the. It's delightful. It's delightful, but a little bit about the author. Um, there's conflicting info, but I after some digging, I do believe that I have found the source. Uh, if you go into Amazon, uh, into the kissing the coronavirus book, the bio of the author says, "Writer, ferret keeper, and mother. I write to entertain and to delight." Ferret Keeper. Ferret Keeper. MJ Edwards is, is the pen name, the uh, uh, definitely a, not the real name uh, of this author. Well, I doubted MJ Edwards' credentials to be writing anything about uh, the coronavirus. But now that I know that she's a ferret keeper, well, <laughs> all doubts are quelled. Well, she is actually a he. Because I, really? I looked up the author. The author has written uh, his own bio on Goodreads. Oh my. And this is what the Goodreads bio states. MJ Edwards is the pen name for Robert Winter. As Robert, I write primarily gay contemporary romance. MJ is the alter ego under which I get to explore a more erotic side of romance with combinations of characters along the LGBTQ spectrum. The stories are light on angst, heavy on sex, and a happy ending for all is my goal. And he adds, I love hearing from readers, so please feel free to ask questions and make comments. Uh, and you can find MJ Edwards at MJ Edwards on Twitter. So if you like what you hear, uh, please, please check out the author. Uh, we'll talk about some of the non-coronavirus uh, books that, <laughs> that he's written. And I am... Very excited to dive into some of these during our break. And uh, for that matter, uh, some of the other coronavirus books, uh, because it turns out that this was only the first in a series. That's right. This is this first installment, Kissing the Coronavirus, was published in April of 2020, April 22nd of 2020. And it's the first in a series of erotic novels collectively known as the Kissing the Coronavirus Chronicles. 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 That makes it sound very uh, weighty. It's, it gives an air of gravitas to this entire thing, uh, which I'm not sure is entirely deserved. <laughs> Probably not. But I I see that date of April 22nd, 2020. That For us here in the United States, that was very early on the pandemic. That was probably, I, I believe, like week seven, six or seven. Round about week six, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this author appears to be British, though. So it looks like, the, you know, they had a head start on us. So it is plausible that, that they wrote this, you know, very quickly. Uh, so if you go into the Amazon, the Amazon.com listing, here's the description. And this is just, I think this is pure gold. She was supposed to cure the coronavirus. Instead, she fell in love with it. 
The Dr. Alexa Ashingtonford is part of a crack team of scientists tasked with finding the cure to the devastating coronavirus. Little did she know she would end up falling in love with it in this steamy viral erotica. Kissing coronavirus is a steamy tale about forbidden love and dark desires come to life. The book is MJ Edwards' debut book and is her attempt at trying to pay the bills following her job loss. Check her out on Twitter at MJ Edwards Author. So let me tell you a little bit about the series. Kissing the Coronavirus 2 is the next installment, published in December of 2020, called The Second Wave. (laughs) Sorry, too soon. The third installment in March of 2021 is called The Mutant Strain. Again, it's just too close to life. It wraps up also in March 2021 with Kissing the Coronavirus, The Legend of Dr. Ashingtonford. But wait, there's more. No. There is. There is. There was a special holiday edition published. Holiday edition. Holiday edition. Yes. I bet sales spiked. Oh my God. Stop. (laughs) The holiday edition was published in November of 2021 and it was called COVID Claws is Coming to Town. No. Yes. So the tagline for this novel is magnificent. You better not cough. You best not be shy. You better mask up. I'm telling you why. COVID Claws is coming to town. Speechless, right? I mean, that's, that's magnificent. He'll get you if you're sleeping <laughs> or even if awake. <laughs> no matter if you're bad or good. So get vaxxed for heaven's sake. So I, I do have to confess that I did not read the rest of the chronicles because the first one was enough it really frankly. was yes yes uh, also just kind of perfect on its own and i didn't you know sometimes a sequel to things are just they're not as good and they're disappointing and having read the first one i i have to say that i think this is the kind of prose the kind of story that really only needs one shot the others would just end up being derivative like kind of sounding the same like it's probably going to be the same thing over and over I did read that there's something about an orthodontist at some point, though. So that is that's definitely plumbing other depths, so okay. to speak. And yes. I, you, you have to wonder, does his prose improve? Maybe we'll find out this summer. I mean, we, I do need something to read on the beach. That is true. I think we need a paperback copy for that so that everyone else can see what it is you're reading. I can just see myself now with a, a nice frosty beverage with a with an umbrella on my chair on the beach reading this ridiculous book well i i think we should we should just get into it i would love to revisit some of your favorite passages from kissing the coronavirus so before we get to the actual story i'd like to say that i did my best to find reviews of this And frankly, the reviews were kind of disappointing. The book itself was much better than the reviews. And for something of this caliber, for something like this, uh, something that was written in a month, very, very tongue-in-cheek, I was expecting people to have a field day with this. But no, most of the reviews out there from larger sites, from sites that concern themselves mainly with reviewing literature, are very straight, very dry. They treat this as any other literature. And frankly, it's no fun. In fact... Kind of appallingly, there were some that weren't even sure whether this was legitimately satire or if it was just someone trying to write erotica and failing at it. And 
if you read this, I think the answer is pretty clear that it is someone intentionally being satirical. So I already had a, a pretty low opinion of many literature reviewers out there, and this does not change anything. So, as usual, I had to turn to our favorite source of reviews, the Amazon reviews on the work <laughs> itself. Because, you know, the internet can do a much better job of tearing apart a satirical work in a fun and satirical fashion themselves than apparently any reviewer. Okay, yeah, I was about to say, if, if you couldn't find critical review, you turn to the Goodreads, turn yep. to the Amazons, turn Absolutely. to the people. This was written for the people in a dark, dark, dark time when nothing was funny. This brought a smile to our faces. So here are four of my favorite reviews from the Amazon page, which I would like you to read before I dive into the work itself. Oh my gosh. Okay. I have not seen these. Five out of five stars. Glowing review. A must for any book club that enjoys classic literature. <laughs> Reviewed in the United Kingdom on October 9, 2020. These are all verified purchases as well. So these are not plants. If you're looking for a read that will get you hot under the collar, this highly relatable novel is the one for you. I'm sure hype around this incredible piece will spreading online soon and we'll see this wonderfully poetic author go viral. <laughs> no. That's amazing. Okay, this one, four out of five stars. And it says, great. Need more. Uh, written in October of 2020. Little did they know they were just days away from getting a second installment. This book is more of a short story, with it only being 16 pages long on the Kindle. Nonetheless, the story is gripping and has had has a great supporting character, <laughs> Dr. Gertley Chund, who is selfless, hardworking, and dedicated to finding a cure. The book could have benefited from the author doing some more research on how a vaccine is developed, because the lack of accuracy pulls one out of this riveting tale. <laughs> <laughs> The, the part about that makes me laugh about that so much is the person that introduced us to this does actually work in a lab. Yes. Is uh, a PhD. Is, is <laughs> yes, now a holder of an actual PhD in biological sciences and was, in fact, complaining, along with myself, about the lab technique depicted in the book. So while I can absolutely relate to this review, I feel like perhaps the lab technique is one of the last things one should focus on in this book. Agreed, agreed. The language is descriptive and vivid, making it an easy read to enjoy over a couple of shots of vodka. <laughs> However, I am disappointed with the cop-out of the ending. I do not think that the character was forced to grow or make any difficult decisions, and therefore the story is lacking in any true conflict. This could easily be remedied with additional content at the end of the book and will have the added benefit of fleshing out the arc of Dr. Ashington. <laughs> I do believe, though, that it's actually Dr. Ashington Ferd. Yes. I mean, clerical error. Yes. I mean, I I had no way of knowing at the time either that there was going to be more. I myself did not yearn for more. I was happy this existed. I'm not sure I'm happy that more exists. I I do I do have to say I am a little bit excited about the, the Christmas episode. And I feel like we could tie this into the, the with the twelve girls of Christmas. Oh, you're <laughs> you're you're giving spoilers here. 
All right, our next review is also a five out of five stars. Legendary masterpiece to define a generation. Kissing the Coronavirus by M.J. Edwards is one of the most influential works of modern literature ever published in today's society. The book has many complicated themes revolving around forbidden love, lust, and the impending finality of humanity's demise. Hashtag not hyperbole. <laughs> As I was reading the book, I found Dr. Alexa Ashington for it a strong and independent woman, but also presented as a flawed human being, overcome with the desire to satiate her large quantities of the horny trademark. Because of the emotional turmoil that we, the reader, experience through the omnipotent third-person perspective of Dr. Ashington Ford, the audience does not simply understand Alexa's actions, but also her emotions, which the author captures through the use of immaculately muscular prose, vivid, <laughs> vivid imagery, and onomatopoeia. This culminates in a climactic and emotional experience that leaves a profound impact on the reader that asks important questions such as whether we should save the world not through hate, but through love. In conclusion, this short 16-page story is definitely a classic, and the writer has proven themselves to become this generation's next Ernest Hemingway. And I look forward to the day when this book is studied in our blessed American educational system. That is a masterful review. That's amazing. I, I do enjoy the uh the, <laughs> the onomatopoeia. This is top tier satire. Yes. It's it's yes. so meta satire. So elegantly done. Yes. Uh, another five out of five stars. This one is called Quickie Before Work. The best eighty p eighty p pence. Eighty probably. pence, yes. Yeah. Eighty pence I've ever spent. Struggle to get past faith. <laughs> what are you doing to me? <laughs> what are you Struggle to get past. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I, I. Okay. Struggle to get past page five without coming in my pants every time. But this morning, I was determined and finally finished it. 16 pages is enough. They skip the foreplay and get straight to the good stuff, which is perfect if you're in a rush before work. MJ Edwards, take a bow. <laughs> I I can't decide if that's my favorite review or the one before it. They're both great in their own special way. <laughs> we can love them both equally. Like, we can. Like, like you, children. Like children. You love them for different reasons. Oh my gosh. Those are some, those are great reviews. Um, Absolutely. I would say probably better written than the actual book itself. Well, let's see. Let's, uh, let's have you read some of your favorite passages here. With pleasure. <laughs> Not too much pleasure, though. It's okay. I've already made it past page five. Th then by all means, please carry on. Yes. Now that the buildup has reached its crest, its <laughs> climax, if you will. And it has been nearly two years since uh, since I have heard these words. That's right. Yeah. It has been. It has been nearly two years. Yeah. Yep. Well, then. Oh, my God. I don't know if I'm ready for this. <sighs> I'm I'm done. I'm already done. I'm already. I can't do it. I barely took a breath. <laughs> no, I just. I know something horrible is coming. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Please, please go ahead. Please don't deprive our listeners. There was a low groan, almost like a growl, which deepened and became a roar, a guttural, animalistic roar. 
so strong and powerful it made Alexa's clitoris judder with anticipation. <laughs> judder. Then, one detail at a time, Dr. Gertley Chund stood from behind the workspace to reveal himself. His strong brow, piercing blue eyes, supple lips, a wide jaw like the trunk of a car. <laughs> jaw like a trunk of a car okay bulky thick (laughs) shoulders a flat stomach a bulge in his trousers the size of a medium-length python okay i'm sorry (laughs) i i'm not uh is it called a herpetologist Yes. A snake, a snake, snake scientist. Snake scientist. <laughs> yes, a herpetologist. I'm surprised I remembered that word. <laughs> what constitutes a medium-sized python? What is the what is the scale we're talking about here? You know the one that I made you put on your shoulders. Yes, that would be a Iowa large State one. Fair? About mm, probably a third the size of that. That's too. That's far too large. I'm sorry. I'm I'm dying at medium-sized pythons. Not just python. Medium-sized. Yes. Well, we don't we don't want to go overboard here. Not just a regular-sized python. Just a a small one. Even would have been sufficient. Oh my god. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Please, please continue. A bulge in his trousers, the size of a medium-length python. (laughs) Legs. just just legs yep i love how the python had to be described but then it's just legs everything else has like beautiful floor descriptions wide like a trunk of a car legs so once again a bulge in his trousers the size of a medium length python i'm sorry is that repeated no no that's me that's me starting back a couple sentences oh my god (laughs) Because I have to read this for full okay. effect. I am going to I'm going to be quiet and let you get through this passage. Bulky, thick shoulders, a flat stomach, a bulge in his trousers the size of a medium-length python. Legs. And presumably feet, but Alexa couldn't see those behind the desk. His body had grown so much, his lab uniform had torn. His thighs had obliterated his pants, muscle poking out like a cheeky kitten. His pectoral muscles were so large and toned, they practically hummed. The tip of his penis winked out above his belt line, and Alexa was positive he wasn't even erect. She couldn't stop staring. And it was green. In fact, all of him was green. And he was covered in small green bumps, which sciencey people like Alexa called spike proteins. <laughs> you know, this is the first time this guy had ever heard, or anyone outside of science had heard of spike proteins. And this is where our friend and I, uh, who both uh, work in in biology, just totally lost it. <laughs> sciencey, sciencey, sciencey people, people like Alexa called spike proteins. Wait. If he had spike proteins protruding from his body, wouldn't that mean he was... No. No. It couldn't possibly be. No. But it could just be. 
Dr. Gertley Chund? asked Alexa. Is that you? He shook his head. Are you in there, Dr. Gertley Chund? Bob? No, said the alarm screen man. He was at least a meter taller than Dr. Gertley Chund had been, and almost twice as wide. Then, who are you? asked Alexa. I don't know. Do you know who you are? I think so, he said. Or should I ask what you are? He nodded, his bustling neck muscles contorting. Are you the virus? Yes, he said. Your coronavirus? COVID-19? <laughs> yes. What happened to Dr. Gertlichund? I consumed him. Why? The injection. The vaccine trial. How? He had the virus. There were traces of the virus in the vaccine, vast traces. Adding them together created more virus than a man could handle. I'm the result. You are COVID-19? Yes. He had a sad expression. Alexa wasn't sure what she felt. It wasn't fear. It wasn't anguish. It was intrigue. <laughs> Perhaps a little excitement. <laughs> he stepped forward. Don't come any closer, exclaimed Alexa, even though she secretly wanted him to get closer. Much closer. It's fine, he said softly. I can sense that you're immune. <laughs> immune to the virus, she asked. To you. Yes, he said. You're asymptomatic. You had the virus without even knowing. <laughs> Does that mean that Dr. Gertlichund was infected because of me? He nodded. A single tear trickled down Alexa's rosy red cheek, and she closed her eyes. This was her fault. Suddenly, a strong chunk of a finger rubbed across Alexa's cheek. The virus had wiped it away for her. He had been strong, but soft, assertive yet caring. Alexa's clitoris floundered. <laughs> she shouldn't be feeling this way. She should be frightened, terrified. But she didn't feel any of that. The virus opened his hand and Alexa nestled her cheek into it. It was like laying on a warm, welcoming pillow, soft and strong, dreamy and happy. Some other nice things she couldn't even describe. I'm sorry, Dr. Curtly Chun, she whispered. <laughs> He's gone, said the virus. I'm here now. She nodded and shuffled towards him. He opened up his body, allowing Alexa to be engulfed in his skin and muscles. She felt his convulsing member against her waist. It was so long and warm and fat, like an arm without the bones. <laughs> she wondered what it would look like when erect. What's your name? She asked. Call me COVID, he said. <laughs> there was something about being wrapped in his arms. She should have been scared, but instead she felt safe. The safest she'd ever felt. She looked up at him. His eyes were striking like a goat's, but without the sideways pupils. <laughs> she couldn't look away. And they seemed to be growing bigger, wider, sexier. <laughs> but Alexa suddenly realized they weren't getting bigger. 
they were getting closer. (laughs) So close, she could see the details in his face, the spike proteins lapping away from his skin. His lips, so close she could taste them. His tongue, so soft and hot, like a chunk of microwaved fish sloshing around inside her mouth. (laughs) Oh, Oh no! Oh, gross! There's nothing worse than microwave fish. Oh, God. Because you know the entire lab is going to be smelling that tongue for the next week. You don't microwave fish ever. There is no such thing as leftover fish in my world. A big hand grabbed at her even bigger breast, clinging on like he was climbing a mountain. COVID tore at her lab coat, revealing her perfectly round, perfect breasts. He lowered his neck and chewed away her bra, allowing it to drop to the floor so her breasts were unleashed. They bounced around like water balloons glistening in the summer sun. (laughs) She had nice nipples. (laughs) COVID licked Alexa up and down. Her knees buckled and she fell, but COVID reacted fast and caught her, laying her down softly on the cool, tiled floor. But she didn't want him to have all the fun. She snatched at his pants, ripping what remained of them away and releasing his beast of a cock. (laughs) It swelled like a balloon being filled with helium, rising up, standing to command, begging for her to take it in her hands. She grabbed it and began to stroke it up and down. COVID groaned, but didn't stop lapping at Alexa's body. His cock rocked up and down with appreciation, the veins bulging out further than she'd ever seen. She took him deep into her mouth her throat stretching as he continued to grow, but this only enticed her more as she took more and more of his cock slobbering all over it and grunting with appreciation. Then he pulled it out and it made a popping sound. Oh my god. (laughs) I can't breathe. I can't breathe. It's too much. So 16 pages of that. Okay. I have questions because I don't remember a lot of this. I think I must have blocked it out. So the story is they were working on a vaccine. A cure for COVID, yes. She accidentally got, in the course of her her, her research, infected mm-hmm. asymptomatically, which Correct. very unlikely given but, the alpha variant. <laughs> yes, yeah, very unlikely. It's but true. she got it and unwittingly passed it along to Dr. Gertley Chun. <laughs> Yes. And he injected himself with the vaccine prototype. Correct. And it combined with the virus present in his body and turned him Hulk-like into COVID. That's pretty much it. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, wow. And you have to you have to remember we were in the very early stages of COVID at this point in time where we really did think it would just be a couple more weeks. And we would be kind of out of this. We we had no idea. I mean, we were hoping it could be a couple of weeks, but for all we knew, it could be, you know, until the middle of next year. I don't think any of us thought it would go as long as it did. And and, and to be fair, it is still going. So, I, you know, at the time it was a, well, we're stuck inside and somebody's capitalizing on this and wrote this just ridiculous book. But Absolutely. And, and it was absolutely one of those things where everyone was going through the same thing and Mm -hmm. it really sucked and the only way to cope with it on some level was to laugh about it and this provided you know all of the humor that we needed well some of the humor humor. (laughs) yes 
and here's where you know we should probably give some some uh, contemporary context for the far far future when people are listening to this who may not have lived through this when this is found in some time capsule a thousand years hence and people are trying to make sense of what happened during the COVID times. Most of us were going through exactly what Alexa was going through. Alexa was so horny from not having been able to have sex for so true so long that everything was looking appealing to her. And uh, it's entirely possible that this could have been a Dallas style, it was all a dream kind of uh, ending by the end of the fourth book. We, we won't know. Horny fever dreams. Horny fever dreams. Horny indeed. virus fever dreams, yes. Yeah, it was a, it was a very peculiar time uh, in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, you know, a real tough time. Um, but I remember running across this and just being like, this is so ridiculous. This is absolutely something we need to read. <laughs> but the, the medium-sized python just, it slayed me then and it slayed me now. It's just, and then legs. 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 Just legs. And presumably feet, but she couldn't see them behind the desk. (gasps) Also, where did she Gertly chund? Yes. What? What what is that? Dr. Gertly chund. Oh my gosh. No, no, I didn't have to read any actual lines from Gertly chund uh, because I should have used like my worst German accent or something. But that's like, what does that even mean? Nothing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, she might as well have called him, like, Dr. Chodley-Dong. <laughs> that would have been great. Maybe I should start writing. You should. I, You know, I can imagine they're, they're in the lab working furiously around the clock. This is, uh, this is, this is what the anti-vaxxers were afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> scientists really, I mean, having sex. Not scientists <laughs> having sex, but really the root of, uh, of the fear of the vaccine was it's going to change your DNA. It's going to make you into something you're not. It's going to forever alter the fabric of your medium-sized oh python. Oh, God. That's right. It might give you a medium-sized python. I think, though, that if that was a side effect that people were pushing, I don't know that we'd have very much anti-vax sentiment, especially amongst the male population. That is true. We should have started our own rumor about, did you hear, did you hear what happened to Bob after he got his <laughs> vaccine? Did you hear what happened? Now, I didn't hear this from him, but I was uh, down at Kroger's and I ran into Bob's wife. I just said, how are you doing, Mabel? And she said, oh, well, Bob got the vaccine. I asked him not to, but he did it. And uh, I'm afraid to say there's been some side effects. Oh, my God. Mabel, what is it? And she leans in over the produce, picks up a giant eggplant and just kind of looks at it with horror and just says, Things grew. <laughs> Just puts it down and walks away. I mean that this is what we should have been doing all along. We should have been, you know, spreading rumors of. I know several guys who got the the vaccine, and their dicks just grew like crazy. Like their wives can't handle it. They're getting divorces. Like it's just too much. I mean, if people can spread mis- misinformation. Why can't why can't we spread misinformation for good? It's not too late. We still have a lot of people that have not received it. I, I say we start we start our own little uh, misinformation campaign on Facebook. You, you know, I'm I think there may be ethical ethical implications about that, but um, 
fuck it. Nothing else has worked. Any more unethical than boner pills that they sell at the at the gas station? I mean, as long as that I put, you know, in little letters, not FDA approved. Well, okay. So I've never actually bought boner pills from a gas station. Do they Neither have work? I. I don't know. I have never myself purchased boner pills from the gas station. Do you know anyone who has? No, I do not. Nor have I been with anyone who has admitted to taking <laughs> gas station boner pills. Seems like a bad idea. I think there's two things at a gas station you should never buy. Number one, sushi. Number two, boner pills. Well, I have bought sushi at a gas station and survived. So I think um, we're just going to have to do some science. No, I, I think we we definitely should crowdsource this science. I do not want you taking boner pills from the gas station. But just think, I could have a medium-sized python. You're, you're and good. And the legs. You're good. <laughs> no feet, though. <laughs> can't that's see unknown. them that's unknown oh my gosh i mean i think i have to read the rest i need to know what happens i need to know how how she handled the second wave <laughs> and the mutant strain and where the orthodontist comes in don't give away the ending of the book though i think i think our our listeners need to have some surprises in their life no we'll give away the ending of the book okay all right the ending of the book <laughs> is an m dash Stop. Way to build suspense, Edwards. <laughs> well, I know what I'll be doing this summer. And I'm happy to report that our esteemed author has written non-coronavirus material. No. Yes, absolutely. Why would he do that? Absolutely. Recently, yes. he has started a brand new series, a horror comedy series called Campbell's Curse, the South Pier Slayer. Now, to be clear, this is a straight horror comedy, not like horror comedy erotica. I don't know. I don't know. I think there's only one way to find out. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, the next book I do believe is erotica. It's called The Perfect Poo. What? A fiery fecal romance. No. Yes. No. Uh, I hope that this is the first and last of the series. I really hope there's no sequel. And the author himself refers to it as his first try at romance. <laughs> a fiery fecal romance. Fiery and fecal. Two words I never want to hear in the same sentence ever again for the rest of my days. Dear God. Yeah. We've gone too far. <laughs> Every day we stray further from God. Oh, well, I think it's only fitting that we close the season out with uh, the book that really kickstarted us, uh, got us the motivation to really start recording this. Not the inspiration, but the motivation. Absolutely. And it's been a good season. We've we've had uh, a lot of episodes that I've really loved. What was one of your favorites? I, I have to say, I think my favorite, and I think it's because this was actually the most well-researched, is Bigfoot. <laughs> Um, I had no idea how deep and how meaty Bigfoot was. <laughs> really surprised me. Just the tentacles that it had in the reach of society. I, I was just completely thrown. Um, so that was a, a delight to to dig into. What about you? I think my favorite 
was the James Joyce episode. Oh, my God. Sheerly because I had so much fun crafting those text messages for you to read. Oh, my God. And it was pure delight to watch your face as you read, both as you read them and then as you saw the connection, as you, you then got close <laughs> to the source material and still didn't like connect that they were the same thing until the very end. I loved that so much. Uh, that was a fun one to put together. And again, a fair amount of research went into that one. Yes, absolutely. And what about you? What was your favorite episode? Drop us a line at interlude at wholeassproductions.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-L-E-W-D at wholeassproductions.com. And let us know. Hey, if you let us know what your favorite episode is, maybe you'll see more of that in the next season. So what have we learned I've learned that pythons come in medium size. And you've learned what medium size is. I've learned that it's always worth going back and reading the last line as long as you can't get through it. (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us for season one. Uh, We had such a blast making this. We're excited to come back in October of 2022 with season two. Until then. I think we're forgetting something. What are we forgetting? We're forgetting the teasers. What teasers? We're going to come back stronger, harder, (laughs) better than ever in season two with a new filming location, videos, segments, subscriber only clips and outfits. Can't forget the outfits. No, we have a lot of great stuff planned for season two and I am so looking forward to all the shenanigans we're going to get into. So am I. And with that, uh, Have a wonderful summer, everybody, and uh, we will see you this fall. All right. Take care, and remember, it may not always be smart. But it's always smut. Always. Here at the Interlude Podcast, we love tops and subs. That's topics and subscribers. Is there something you'd love to hear us talk about on a future episode? Email us at interlude at wholeassproductions.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-L-E-W-D. Or find us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at interludepod. Pod.